Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. We've been in this series called Plot Twist for a few weeks now. We've been taking some time and looking at some amazing stories of Jesus. Now, these stories were all told to make a point. Now, we are reminded that Jesus was a great storyteller, but for some of us, we've been around too long. These stories don't surprise us, but for the original hearers of these stories, there would have been suspense and wonder. I remember when my kids were first learning to play soccer, I, I ended up being the soccer coach. Now, not because I ever played soccer, but because I showed up on the first day. <laughs> now, when the kids are that young, it sh- probably shouldn't even be called soccer. It should probably be called follow ball because they, they felt the object of the game was to get as close to the ball as possible. When they played, there were no penalties. There was no offsides. We, we even looked the other way when the ball went out of bounds just a little bit. But we had one rule. No one was to keep score. The organizers just wanted the kids to learn the sport. They, they didn't want the kids to get caught up with winning or losing. They just encouraged having fun. But who are they fooling? Every, everyone knew the score. I remember as kids were coming off for their shift change, they, they'd stand beside me and they'd look at me and they'd say, what's the score? We're winning, right? And I'd say, we don't keep score. And then I'd whisper, but yes, we're winning. <laughs> now these kids could barely remember not to pick up the ball with their hands, but everyone, everyone knew what the score was. They all wanted to win. Now, After thinking about this, I don't know if we ever grow up. We know that we're not supposed to look at what others have or what others do to see if we're winning. We're really still not supposed to keep score, but we like to win. We like to know if the other person is doing better than us. Now for us competitive people, we like it when we know we are winning. Am I doing better than my neighbor? I I hear them yelling at their kids. I don't yell at mine, or not as much. (laughs) Their yard doesn't look as good as mine. Now, I think it's one thing to do with uh, this at home and at work, but what about when we do it with our relationship with Jesus? When we read parables, Jesus is telling a story to make a point, a lesson for the listener to take home with. Now, I don't know about you, But I love the stories that Jesus teaches, and then he tells us the lesson. The ones that I struggle with sometimes are the ones where Jesus lays it all out, and then there's no commentary at the end. Sometimes I I read these and wonder, what lessons should I take away from this? And today, we're going to read one of those stories or parables. If you were just to read it, you might wonder, what do I do with this lesson? Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus actually gives a lot of teaching through the whole chapter in different story after story where you wonder, what do I do with this, Jesus? And now you can turn to Luke 18 if you want or log on with your Bibles on the YouVersion app. Now, one of the reoccurring plot twists in the Gospels is how Jesus gets after the Pharisees. 
They were the church people of the time. They, we would have loved to have them as neighbors. You would love them in your strata because they always kept the rules. Now, they might get mad at you for having to smell your Saturday morning bacon, <laughs> but for the most part, they would have been model neighbors. So let's pick up this story. It's in a long list of stories from Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And he told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Verse 10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, I love it. I love it when the author of these books puts in their writing who this parable is for. It helps us understand it just a little bit better. Luke writes that, that Jesus tells this story for people who trusted in themselves and thought that they were righteous. Another version puts it this way. It's for people who are confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus is quick to show us that there are two characters in this parable. There's one, one's a Pharisee, one's a tax collector. Now, let me give you the rundown of these two characters and maybe try and read it with fresh eyes. In those days, Pharisees would have been the most highly respected people in their communities. Now, Luke kind of spoils the plot twist right in the introduction when he says that this story was for the, you know, the ones who thought they were righteous. And in this statement, Jesus is making it very clear that he was talking about them, the Pharisee. Now, to the Pharisee, the sinner was the common man. The, 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 the common man had to get a real job. And when they had a real job, they couldn't study the law like they were doing. And, and a Pharisee's full-time job was to follow the rules. And if you couldn't do it like them, you were a sinner. Jesus was creating this paradox here. There, there, there was this thought that the Pharisees were righteous, but the, the tax collectors, they were not righteous. They were the most hated people in the Jewish world. When you read about them in the Gospels, you often see this phrase. You see tax collectors and sinners. Some of you might wonder, aren't they the one and the same? Aren't we just saying they're sinners and sinners? <laughs> Some people think that the tax collectors were, were so bad that they had to get their own category of sinners. You know, they were the, there were the every ordinary day sinners, and then there were the tax collectors way down there. They're the worst of the worst. Now, we know that they would charge whatever they wanted for tax and then pay the government what was really owed and, and they would just keep the rest of the money for themselves. Now, if you wanted a job that made you filthy rich, tax collecting is that job. They were known to be very wealthy and have a very bad reputation. They were traitors because they betrayed their heritage, their people, and they were working for the enemy. And even worse yet, they were profiting off of it. Let's keep reading in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> I fast twice a week. I pay, I pay tithes of all that I get. If I were to call you a Pharisee today, most of you would take offense to that. But in Jesus's day, if someone called them a Pharisee, people would have taken that as a compliment. They would have reached the pinnacle of serving God. They had, they had made it. One of the first things I notice about this prayer is the attitude of the guy praying. 
He says, God, I, I thank God that I, I'm not like other people. I always imagine him as he's praying this, he's looking down maybe at somebody from a distance. But the hearers of this parable would have thought that this Pharisee had done nothing wrong. They'd probably think that this wasn't boastful, but this is just being grateful for, to God for their holiness. These Pharisees excelled at, in everything we admire spiritually. They, they loved God with a hot passion. They, they knew their Bibles. They fasted. And they even obeyed the smaller commandments. And I, I can't emphasize the, their rule following enough. They wanted so bad to follow the rules. They, they made rules around the rules so they wouldn't break the rules. <laughs> so if the rule was that you shouldn't sit in a red chair and don't worry, I made up this rule. They'd say, don't sit in a pink chair. Don't sit in a cherry colored chair. Don't sit in an orange chair just in case you're colorblind. They'd say, if sitting in an, a red chair was a rule, they'd say, don't even look at a red chair. They would, they would do this so they wouldn't break the rule of sitting in a red chair. They were extra careful. Not just, not just to break God's law, but also not to break their law as well. They're putting a fence around the law. And we actually see when Jesus and Paul wanted to set an example of people who had the highest level of commitment, they always used the Pharisees as an example. These people were excellent at, in, at following the law. And this Pharisee, in this story, he did everything asked of him. He fasted. He paid his tithes of all he got. Everyone would have thought this is just a good human being. Now, when, when we think Pharisee, we think someone who is easy to spot. You know, they have that big King James leather Bible. They have a chip on their shoulder and everyone avoids them at work because they have a scripture and verse for everything that they do. And they'll tell anyone why this world is so bad. All they need to do is follow the law of the Bible. Just get back to the 10 commandments. And they do it with love as being the excuse, right? They say, I wouldn't be a, a loving person if I didn't tell the truth. <laughs> when we think Pharisee, we think bad people skills bad theology. But when Jesus, when Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, he was talking to the people who had been the most loyal to their church. They followed the rules. They served in synagogue. They never missed synagogue. And they would never, ever be seen doing something that the church preached against. These people, as Jesus described them, were people who loved God. They loved their church. They loved the scripture. I don't think that these Pharisees would ever make it a goal in their lives to oppose God. But that's what they ended up doing. The problem, the problem that Jesus is going to point out is that they wanted to be right. They wanted to win more than being kind or loving or gracious. But the truth is that being a Pharisee is really hard to see in the mirror. It, 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 it never dawns on us that we we might be included in this. And you know, as, as long as my image of Pharisees as a spiritual loser and an enemy of Jesus, I'll never recognize the clear and present problem in my own life. I'll never realize that it's a very short distance from being sold out for God to being opposed to God. But let's keep reading this story in verse 13. 
But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. He was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." Jesus describes how this, da- this tax collector prays. This guy stands some distance away. He, he might feel like he's not even worthy to be around other people. He doesn't lift his eyes to heaven. He, he's beating his chest. <laughs> have you ever been told that you pray wrong? I have. It's, it's a long story. But, you know, if you don't close your eyes, if you don't bow your head, if you don't say, dear Heavenly Father, at the beginning of your prayer, or in Jesus' name at the end, it's wrong. It's sort of like, you know, if you don't do this exactly the way God wants it, he can't hear you. Now, Jesus isn't saying that. But this is what the Jewish audience would be saying. He's, he's, this guy's not doing it right. When you pray, you're to lift your eyes to heaven and your hands to heaven because that's where God lives, right? If you don't get your posture right, it doesn't even count. (laughs) Your eyes and your hands are the keys for God to even hearing you, right? It's somewhere in the Bible, right? It's not. Now, this parable isn't about praying right or asking yourself if you're praying right, but Jesus is still making a point. But this tax collector prays and Jesus says that his prayer was heard. Now, it's interesting to see what's not in the story. There there isn't an indication that this guy cleaned up his act, quit his job as a filthy tax collector, or even paid back the money he'd stolen from people. There's actually nothing in the story to tell us he changed anything in his life. But Jesus, Jesus tells us that his prayer was heard and God had mercy on him. And at that moment, he went home justified. So what is Jesus trying to tell us? I think it's, I think this is one of the things that we have a really easy time seeing in other people, but a really hard time seeing in the mirror. And it can be interpreted as pride or arrogance. This attitude that I'm not as bad as a person as them. Now, I know everyone's not perfect, and we all say that, but I'm more perfect than them, right? I'm God's favorite. The problem is we bend the rules. We make stuff up to what we think God wants more, and we tilt the scales toward our gifts and talents, strengths and weaknesses. But when we're winning all the time, when we think we're winning all the time, that doesn't create humbleness. That creates pride. Comparing ourselves to others is always interesting, isn't it? I find that we always adjust the measuring stick so we end up winning. We don't know what the other person is facing or how they got to where they are today, but sometimes we fill in the blanks for them. That pride, maybe it's something that I think we all have to keep a check on. It's something that it's something that everyone tries to check to see if they're winning. You know, is their car nicer? Is their vacation as, as nice as the one we took? Are they as spiritual as me? This is something I've come to realize that God hates. Now, I know that's a strong word, but it's actually in this scripture we're going to read in a second. It's, it's, a, it's in a verse from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Now, if you've ever heard of the seven deadly sins, th- these are the verses that they come from. And this is what it says. 
These are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Now, this is just a way to be poetic. And, but here's the top of the list. Haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. I love the way that the Amplified Translation interprets this phrase, haughty eyes. It says, a proud look. The attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others. This is what God hates. A proud look is at, is at the top of the list and pride can lead to a whole bunch of other sins. Man, that kind of hurts, doesn't it? But God, I, I've, I, I've worked really hard to be this good. Shouldn't I be proud about that? <laughs> I've given up so much to serve you. Shouldn't I know, God, if I'm winning? But pride, pride is on the top of the list, one of the seven deadly sins. Jesus wants the people who would think of themselves as God's favorite to be careful about their pride. He wants them not to overestimate themselves and discount others. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, this is something that we all have to watch out for. Because we, we think sometimes, I might have stuff that I struggle with, but it's not that. Their sin is worse than mine. Do you know what I find? I find I love the person who's far from God. I have patience and grace for them, but I have some issues with Christians who, a little, who live a little different than me. I, I, I sometimes think God loves me, but is, he's ticked off at them. Sometimes we, we, can have, we can love the person who's so far from God, but we have a problem with that person who doesn't express their faith like ours. Or we know what they're struggling with and it's something we don't struggle with. So we're glad we're not like them. Listen to me. We aren't loving others when we look down on people God loves. No matter if we say it in love or whatever excuse we use. If we do this, we're actually opposing God. Have you ever said, God, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not like the people at that church who believe that. You know those people who call themselves Christians, but they don't act like me? That's the attitude that God hates. Are you ever down on people who don't view certain sins the same as you? This is you. You might have a problem, and th th the same problem that this Pharisee had in this story. And God has put a proud look on the top of the things that he hates. Maybe we need to see what Jesus sees. I think that he sees a whole bunch of people who face different things, trying to do their best and love Jesus the best that they can. Can we help them? Can we, can we help them to become more like Jesus? Absolutely. But with a humble attitude that we all have things that God is working on. Will you join me in this? Will you help me to be accountable with this? When, when you hear some other followers of Jesus struggling with something, would you love them? And be thankful that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you, even though you're different. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray today that you would help us be careful with how we judge others, how we look at other people who don't believe the same as us. Father, this comparison can be so bad. It helps us, it helps us to know that we're winning, but Lord, you, you don't want us to have pride hearts prideful heart. So God, give us that humbleness to accept people, walk alongside of them, walk together as we're getting closer and closer to you. So Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this reminder and help us to learn what it really means to be humble towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
one of the things that God has been speaking to me about is about the sins that I like. Now, maybe, maybe like is a bad term. Maybe I like them because I don't struggle with them. Maybe I like them because it's not something that, that I'm tempted to do. They're, they're ones that I like pointing out in others because I, I don't struggle with them. I, I, it looks like I'm winning when I point those out. But the sins in my life, I think God doesn't hate them as, as much. <laughs> now, I know just saying that it sounds ridiculous. But why, why do we live that way? Why do we get up on our soapboxes and talk about the sins of, in other people's lives that we don't struggle with? But when it comes to our sin, we don't think it's a big deal. The pointing out part, because I don't struggle with them, I'm coming to realize that is what God hates. My prayer for you this week is that we run from this attitude of the Pharisee and check our hearts for pride. Would you do that with me this week? Our doxology in this series is from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 36. Paul writes this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Hopefully we'll see you back again here next week. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca slash give. See you later.